For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. I've been watching a lot of Fresh Out on YouTube. Have you seen this? What is Fresh Out? This show is about, it's a its a big, huge man that just, fre- he's fresh from the penitentiary, and people send him questions <laughs> oh to ask him God. about fucking, like, what's life on, like on, on the inside and when you're locked up in a hooskow. And I got to say, man, you better be careful not to be a Peter watcher. <laughs> All right, because you're going to get your wig split. If you're a chomo, you get your wig split. Oh, my goodness. If a shot caller comes up to the yard and you're doing your makina, even if you're in the middle of your makina, uh-huh. and he puts you out on a call, he puts you out on a work, and you're making pruno, you got to do something like that. You got to deliver up to the big dog, all right, and you don't roll up with your homies, man. Uh-huh. You can get your wig split. There's so many ways. I can't wait to see you in part. <laughs> you need to be incarcerated so bad. I would love to watch you in jail. All right, this is the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, that is Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. Uh, I guess recently released from prison, Henry Zabrowski. You got to get your back up against the wall, so you only have to defend three sides. Uh, also, I you see. can make a shank out of a toothbrush. You can make a weapon out of a sock and a lock. It's called a sock and a lock. Okay, well, and that's Kissel, a clever. I got to tell you this. That's clever. Uh, honestly, Kissel, what? you would be such a big bitch mark for them. You're such a big <laughs> I understand, Henry. This is my number one nightmare. For you. I, of course they would, and the rooms are 11 by 6 for the most part, so I couldn't even lay down either direction. Anyway, we're They'd have the- to call you, but think about it, Kissel. What? They'd call you, like, the question mark. Oh, my God. Because of what it would I'm do to your spine. Yeah, exactly. I would yes. look like royalty yes. with spina bifidus. <laughs> all right, all right, let's get to the Enfield, let's get to the Enfield Poltergeist Part 2. It's only spooky you're from here. Now, we picked the story back up in December of 1977, just three months after the haunting began and 16 months before it would end. And things would only get worse for the Hodgson family from here. The poltergeist appeared to be getting more powerful. As with the iron grate of the fireplace that we talked about in the last episode, the one that almost hit the little boy in the head. Oh, yeah. The poltergeist opened the metal door of the refrigerator so hard that it hit the Hodgson stove and left a large dent. Now, do we know for a fact that Norm from Cheers wasn't just drunken in their house at midnight? (laughs) No, he's an American. It was Mr. Belvedere. (laughs) Oh, I see. I apologize. (laughs) But it would do innocuous things as well, such as when it lifted a pile of folded clothes off the kitchen table and tossed them five feet away to the floor, still neatly folded, all in the plain view of gross, playfair, 
and the family. And you would mm. believe the oak crumbs were heard across the neighborhood. There's also um, <laughs> poltergeists are very naughty, but not evil. Yeah. That's the thing we talk about right. all the time is that when you, when you cover poltergeists is that they normally do things that are very uh, kind of like mischievous when they just do it to annoy you. Very juvenile, huh? It's very juvenile. It's like, and they say it's like there's a child in the room, except you, uh, you don't want mm. it to be sitting on your lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely not. Wait, do you want children to be sitting in your lap? Why would you go down this road, <laughs> no, Marcus? Of course. He's a tiny weird Polish lap. I do not want it to. <laughs> all right. Well, fairly soon after Janet's picture drawing exhibition with the Brazilians, she and sister Margaret started sharing dreams, yelling at each other in their sleep. And in one incident, Margaret yelled, Go away, you ten little things, running about, destroying things. Like a little Dr. Seuss. Oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's a cute little rhyme. Uh, Playfair and Gross knew that the girls weren't faking, as they had performed the inappropriate if it was anyone else sleeping tests on them, such as forcing their eyelids apart and tickling their armpits. Just thank God for these kids. They didn't wake up during that. How horrifying <laughs> is it? You'd be like, no, just making sure you were asleep. I was asleep before you opened my eyelids. It does seem inappropriate, but I'm from the SPR. So this is a, this is a part of our, our, our exercises. I need to suck an olive out of her belly button. <laughs> and if she doesn't respond, she's asleep. Let me uh. just... Just stay asleep, little girl. Treat. Stay asleep. Would you stop treating me like a human martini, please? <laughs> But they did find that the girls would answer questions during these dream episodes. Margaret was asked just what those tin little things running about destroying things were, Hmm. to which she replied, Number one is a baby. Number two is a little girl. Three is a big girl. Four is a very young girl, about 15. Five is a very old lady. Six is a young boy. Seven is getting on to about 18. Eight is an old man. Number nine, I don't know what it is. He hasn't got a face. And number 10 has gone away. Wow, well, it got scary with number nine. <laughs> Good Lord. Up <laughs> yes, to that it point, it's just basically a DMV line. <laughs> and uh, then it got spooky there. <laughs> now, she then suddenly said the name Frank Watson. Watson being the... Watson! (laughs) How many times have I woken up in the night, Frank Watson! Frank Watson! (laughs) Watson was the same name that Janet had written underneath the picture of the wooden bleeding from her throat. Remember from the end of last Mm -hmm. episode. And when Margaret was asked who Watson was, Margaret said... The man who died in the chair downstairs. Ooh, that is creepy. See, it's cute. It's creepy like that, but then if you say it, be like, The man who died in the chair downstairs... Then it becomes, like, silly. Yeah, it becomes like someone's leading a tour around downtown London. Yeah, or the spookiest house in public housing. (laughs) Neighbors later confirmed that Frank Watson had indeed died in a chair from a brain hemorrhage in the living room. Wow. I got to say, that is how you want to go. On a lazy boy, aneurysm, boom. It's done. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Now that they had proved that they could use the unconscious to, at the very least, glean information from the entity, Playfair decided to hypnotize Janet to see if he could get any more information. And to do this, he brought in SPR member Dr. Ian Fletcher. Now, apart from being a hypnotist, Dr. Fletcher was a surgeon and a member of the Magic Circle, 
which is a British organization dedicated to the advancement of the art of illusory magic with a C, not to be confused with ritual magic with a K. Thank you, dog meat. Thank you again, always saying that, because it comes down to, yes, there are parlor tricks. All right, there are parlor uh-huh. tricks. There are things that are be used for deceivement and for amusement. But then there are other things for used for accentuating your ability to make things happen in your reality. And I'm glad. And this man is just really good at making coins appear out of children. Uh-huh. <laughs> I get the feeling that all of the elastic on his underwear is overstretched. And I don't know why. Yes. Very large man. <laughs> So Dr. Fletcher drew Janet into a trance and started asking questions. Now, the first few questions were mostly about what had been happening in the house over the last few months, and Janet's answers all matched up with the evidence and testimony at hand. Then Fletcher asked a question that debunkers often point towards as proof that the girls were faking the whole damn thing. When Dr. Fletcher asked if Janet knew who had been causing all the activity, she said, Me and my sister. Hmm. But people who use this as proof are completely ignoring all of the answers Janet gave following this one. When Fletcher asked why she thought she and her sister were to blame, she said, Don't know. Fletcher then asked who started the trouble, and Janet said, None of us. And when Fletcher asked what the case of the trouble was, Janet depressingly replied, An increase in unhappiness. (laughs) Oh, man. It is incredibly sad. I'm almost wondering if the government needs to go and maybe take the kids away. (laughs) I'm not saying that. It just seems like these kids are so sad. They're just depressed. You can't take away children for being depressed. All right, all right. That's true. That's big. That's nanny state stuff. I got it. One of the nicknames of London is Foggy Old London Town. It is a foggy, yeah. sad place. An increase in unhappiness <laughs> is expected. It's like so. a mostly Dr. Fletcher's immediately being like, well, you should probably have a stiff upper lip then, because it only gets worse than this. Yeah. Can't wait till you have to line up for tea bags when we're in World War Three. And they're just like pulling them out, like dragging them out of the house. <laughs> Janet then said something surprising. Now, according to her answers, she never really paid much mind to Maurice Gross and Guy Playfred, despite them being almost constant fixtures in her life for the previous three months. Hmm. She actually, she said that her answers kind of implied that she regarded them almost as just furniture. Hmm. She didn't even really seem to have much interest in the paranormal. Even after months of questions and attention regarding the activity, Janet still referred to the poltergeist as the polka dice. Oh, the polka dice. That's cute. That reminds me of growing up in Wisconsin (laughs) when you were allowed to be drunk at eight as long as you're wearing a kilt. (laughs) Polka dice is a really fun, it's a really fun dice game to play unless you get snake eyes and then you have to blow old Uncle Gorski. (laughs) That's not good. Oh, we used to wear a lot of lederhosen growing up. You wouldn't believe it. Did you? Oh, yeah. We had a full lederhosen as a family. Really? Oh, we have a family Oh, picture. my God. <laughs> it's adorable. I have to see it. Oh, we'll show I it have to, to see it. Yeah, we were a cute family. Did you come? Were they like handed down from family? I, no, I think they were bought specially for us kids. <laughs> Part of assimilated into our German culture. You didn't have to scrape the little S's off of them. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. <laughs> well, really, we're talking about right now, we're talking about uh, Guy Playfair and Maurice Gross being regarded by Janet as merely like pieces of furniture, right. just something that she has to deal with. But this is only like three months into the whole thing. So as we talked about in the last episode, you know, Janet kind of treating these guys as father figures. They were around for well over, for almost two years. Mm. So it could be that that relationship uh, developed as time went on. And as we'll see, that relationship 
chip does in fact develop. Mm -hmm. Now following the hypnotism session, the entity began bending spoons, as was the style at the time. In the late 70s, a self-proclaimed psychic named Yuri Geller got famous for going on TV and bending spoons, seemingly with his mind. He currently uses this power to sell cornflakes in the UK. <laughs> it's sort of fake. This is one of the more fake it. behaviors in the entire haunting is the spoon bending. Yeah. That is a thing that I think that she watched on TV and she did because they had very thin silverware because this was working class United Kingdom. Yep. They are not, this is, they, they did not have the heavy China. Yeah. yeah. Isn't the Queen's. Like silverware there. And this is like 1977, so shit was really, really bad in the UK mm. at this time. So the poltergeist, or Janet, depending on who you ask, took a cue from the spoon-bending craze and started bending spoons all around the house. Peggy Hodgson actually saw it happen with her own eyes twice, with each spoon bending in exactly the same spot so they fit together Perfectly. That's the interesting part about yeah. the spoon bending. But that's also if you believe Peggy Hodgson. No, it was very exact. And also, it, it's the same thing with the notes possibly left by Janet. That kind of shit where it's like, it's a very complicated mm. hoax. Janet needs to be some sort of like a genius when she goes to sleep mm. in order for this to work. You know what I mean? Like she was a very strange little mm. girl. Yeah. You wonder if, the, you know, there's a, there's a spoon bender in town, but then someone comes in bending sporks and then that guy's out of business. <laughs> but sporks are usually plastic. Because well, then they're tougher to bend. <laughs> unless you got a lighter. Well, this right here, after the spoon bending, this is when the infamous voice began. Now, as we said in our last episode, when the Hodgson family was on holiday to Clacton-on-Sea, Peggy had been awoken in the middle of the night by the sound of a dog barking coming from her children's bunk beds. They always, they always wanted a dog. <laughs> we finally got a, a dead one, I guess. In December of 1977, the noises came home. It began as a combination of loud whistles and barking coming from Janet's vicinity, although the noises didn't seem to have been made by Janet herself. They always seemed to be coming from behind her. Did they see any New York City construction workers? Have you ever had a New York City? I mean, I know the whistling, but you ever had one bark at you? I get it. I honestly get catcalled all the time from uh, from construction workers. You don't get catcalled. You just get, hey, hey big guy. Hey, big guy. <laughs> Yo, know, but some of them you can tell are just like, I'd like to ask you on a date, but because of social standards and the homosexuality uh, that is not looked upon positively within the community that I'm currently working with, I cannot sexually hit on you, but I can say, you play basketball? I got barked at by a construction worker, and it was an attempt to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to all of us. Well, concerning Janet whistling, Janet had particularly large teeth at this age. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, Hold on. Huge. Like, you know how yeah. like when I hit puberty, my hands and my feet were the first things to grow. My right. hands and my feet are still, at six foot tall, still grossly outsized for my body. They are. But they were the first things to grow when I hit puberty, so I was about six inches shorter. With Janet, the first thing to grow on her was her teeth. Like a mule? Like a mule. Wow. <laughs> she, she is somewhere between a mule and she's got like an old English man's mouth 
inside of a little girl's body. It's <laughs> kind of fun. Well, according to Playfair, these gigantic teeth made it impossible for her to whistle. Oh, she can't whistle with these. You gotta. Oh, you're gonna have to chisel these down for her to whistle, poor girl. She'll never be able to play with Art Garfunkel. Just trying to shave them down like uh, like the toenails of Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. But Playfair and Gross reason that if the poltergeist could make noise, then it could ostensibly speak. And so contact was made. Present at the first communication, aside from Gross and Playfair, were two other SPR members named Anita Gregory and John Berloff. Here is audio from that first attempt at communication. Let me hear you say my name. Come on, let me hear you say my name. Scary stuff. Yeah, that voice is coming from an 11 year old girl. The oh, barks, goodness. the voice, that's all coming from a little girl. Hmm. But they did the same thing, right? With the, the the person that did the voice for The Exorcist, it was a, it was a woman that they had to strap to a chair, and she would chain smoke. They would put cigarettes in her mouth to make her chain smoke, and then they'd give her feed her raw eggs, do all this shit, mm. and they tortured her. And that's her saying it's very difficult for this voice to have been made by a little girl, especially if you listen to Janet's real voice. If you watch the interview when they did like the actual the the real footage that exists from the BBC when they were first investigating the haunting, she does just sound like a Oh, I'm gonna go snorks to play. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, she did not have the voice abilities of a Henry Zabrowski. Oh, I, the very <laughs> talented. Hey, come on, come on, Henry Zabrowski. Let's see a little bit of poltergeist action here. <laughs> you gotta go down like this. I'm trapped inside this. Get me outside of this little girl. I know this is illegal. It's illegal for me to be inside this little girl. <laughs> Technically, in the ghost realm, that is allowed. Uh, so, so this was this was Janet. That was this making- was this noise was coming from Janet. This noise, this voice, and mm. we'll hear even more from her. Okay. Now, further questions revealed the name Joe Watson. And when Miss Watson, <laughs> yeah, Frank and Joe Watson, Frank now. and Joe double Watson, Watsons. yeah, double Watsons. And when Mister Watson was told by Maurice Gross that he was dead and should move on, very forcefully, I might add. Hmm. Gross got a well-placed fuck off for his troubles. Wow. Yeah, he did. Man, this thing, it said fuck off you was its favorite saying. That's all it would say. Fuck off you. <laughs> this is great. So it's sort of maybe it's a, a, a bit of a Tourette syndrome or something like that. Well, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Actually, that is, that is very much something that we're going to get into. Now, the big rub here 
at least at first, was that the voice only came when Maurice Gross was out of the room or when no one was looking at Janet. Hmm. But the thing was, doing that voice for hours at a time, which Janet was sometimes known to do, would have left anyone's throat raw, especially the throat of a 12-year-old girl. But she was never hoarse. No. She never cleared her throat. Never. She didn't cough. Even me just doing the voice just then is very difficult for me to do. It still hurts. And I smoke and drink and, and live a terrible life. And it's very difficult for me to do. Even try it. Like, I can try it. Like, oh, I'm a little girl that smokes cigarettes. I never want to hear you say that again. <laughs> I, I smoke cigarettes. Good yeah. Lord. You and all he, sound like Carrie Fisher right now. <laughs> and even that, Herman. R.I.P. Ben, ben, you, Love ben you, try, you try it. You try Poltergeist voice. I'm See, a little girl that <laughs> smokes cigarettes all the time and drinks Modellos and... <laughs> I hit on tall men when I'm working at construction sites. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, uh, got any gum? <laughs> no. Uh, got any gum? <laughs> no, either Janet was getting secret ventriloquism lessons after school. Or, oh, never say that again. There is even, <laughs> if you're a parent, if you're a parent of a kid, though, and you're just like, they're not coming home on time after school. What's going on? They're smoking weed. They're smoking cigarettes, doing dope. And you're just like, secret ventriloquist lessons. This is worse than we thought. Wait a second. Are these racist puppets? Jeff what is, Dunham. What is happening? Well, either it was that or there was something even weirder going on. The whistling in particular is interesting. Now, I didn't know this, but sometimes whistling accompanies possession, hmm. such as it did in the case of the Devil of Mascon in 1612. And that is a story that we need to do an entire episode on. It's an incredible story. There's all this nun fucking in it. It's not lesbian nuns and, like, a priest is just coming in, sticking his, like, trying them out. Like, he's, like, just tasting perfumes at a mall. He loves these nuns. Now, we might have actually covered that. Now huh. that I remember, it seems like we've covered the Devil of Mascon before. I think it was on the uh, Black Monk of Pontefract case. I think mm. we mentioned it briefly. Well, we'll have to go back and listen to the audio where Henry gets audibly uh, aroused, and we'll, we'll find <laughs> out if we were covering that subject or not. Well, what I didn't know about that case, though, is that that case had the same progression of loud whistling into a hoarse vo voice speaking through a young girl. Hmm. And it is doubtful that Janet Hodgson knew about the obscure possession case from the 17th century. Right. And there was another story in Brazil that had the same exact thing. We see this story, like, they are tropes for a reason now. The idea of noises and things moving around, building to a voice coming out of a central person that's located, that is essentially the what the poltergeist is attached to. It's very common now. But and that And back then, there was not a lot of books. In order to find those books, you had to be a Dan Aykroyd. You need to be someone who's obsessed with it you need to be working for uh, working at the SPR you'd have to to know where to find this material well I mean actually uh, what is it Peggy Hodgson did actually go to the library and find a book on ghosts but it was pretty rudimentary stuff and she just took it back and said this ain't nothing new to me oh ain't nothing new I never seen a man that's dressed with a fancy wig on like back in the day I've never seen a man with a seat on because I tell you one thing I'll see a man with a seat on first thing I'll say is it clean? <laughs> is it clean so I can include it in the, in the next batch because the water's getting hot? All right, so you want to return this. And <laughs> you just want to return the library book. You didn't like the library book. You got any rags? <laughs> Do you have any rags around? Just 
Any buckets or scrub brushes? That's my favorite. It's my only friends. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for their little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats and oh they love their life and they love the they love what bark box brings because bark box brings the bark and puts it in a box yep to get your free upgrade go to barkbox.com slash l-e-f-t my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends, and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So the day after the first communication, Gregory and Baloff, who were present at the Bark Bark Run Rum. <laughs> Is that the world's dumbest bar? Bark Bark Rum Rum? Yes. They wrote a note to Playfair and Gross saying that the girls were most likely hoaxing everyone and had been from the beginning. And this would be a common occurrence in this case. People would show up for a day, sometimes no more for no more than a couple of hours, make snap judgments, and declare the whole thing a hoax. Hmm. Now, despite the note, Playfair and Gross continued on. They found that the next time they contacted the voice, it referred to itself as Bill rather than Joe. And Joe said the reason why he was repeatedly throwing Janet from the bed was because that was where he slept. Oh. Now, this falls in line with Peggy's claims that she had seen bedsheets fly off the bed, followed by the indentation of someone sleeping on Janet's bed when the girls were off at school. Hmm. Now, Playfair tried various tricks to see if he could get Janet and the voice to talk at the same time. He got Bill in a sing-along to Daisy Daisy, and Playfair said that Janet could switch from her own voice to the entity's voice without missing a beat. Hmm. They started singing Daisy Daisy. What's the what's Daisy Daisy? Daisy Daisy. Oh, I see. Give it's, me it's your not answer really it. true. The, yeah, it's in a British song that everybody knows because they're forced to know like twenty songs. I see. Yeah, in the UK, <laughs> you know drinking songs, you know fighting songs, you know fucking songs, you know little kids songs that you get them to sing while you're fucking and fighting. And songs <laughs> like about daisies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very simple. It's not like it's like the, it's the end of the world as we know it or anything like that. It's not a complicated song. Oh, okay. That is yeah. the most complicated song of the world, though. Yeah, as, as I learned from watching Tommy Boy. Yes, absolutely. But they, uh, it's true. They started talking. They, they were getting this rapport with the voice, and eventually they're sitting there. Janet's got their back to them, right? And they're, ta- they're because that's what they would do in order to talk to her. They would just turn her around, and she would talk at them. And they're starting singing Daisy Daisy, and literally you just see her shoulders back and forth going like, Daisy, Daisy. Give me your answer, true. I'm crazy off the love of you. Like a weird-ass Slipknot record. And they're just staring yeah. at and recording it, but they're laughing because right. they think it's the funniest thing in the world, which is another just being like, what's happened in this house that this is yeah. now funny? And then they're like, this rendition of Daisy Daisy is going to be huge in Iowa. <laughs> and they have this thing here, too, where it's like Bill started laughing. Bill's going, <laughs> but then Janet's laughing, too, going, <laughs> and they said they were just octave separated from each other. So and they were sort of laughing together in harmony, like, <laughs> One little girl. Now, I really wish we had audio of this, but unfortunately, our resources, i.e. YouTube, only got us a few minutes of the hours upon hours of audio that mm. Gross and Playfair recorded. But what we do have is still pretty damn cool. Here's Maurice's son, Richard, asking the entity a question about itself. I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died. Just before you died and just after you died. Days before I died, I died. I went blind. Then I had an ambush and I fell asleep 
and now dodge in a chair in the corner downstairs. Jeez. So that is that's coming from Janet? From an eleven year old girl. My goodness, this is uh, it's incredible. And what you do here, too, is you hear a marble drop as well. They talk about, like, while mm-hmm. this is happening, remember, while all of this is happening, even if she is fucking around, even the tiniest bit, yeah, marbles are falling from the ceiling, Legos are shooting across the room, drawers are opening, this shit has not stopped. These people have not slept in months, chairs are flipping, mm-hmm. they're sitting there and they're watching this little girl, even if she's pretending... She's going ape shit. Oh, and yeah. a part of it, in my mind, again, it talks about the psychedelic nature of hauntings and abductions. When you're sitting here and like, you're just now in this room of insanity. And maybe it is a little bit of a psychosomatic thing. Maybe it does crawl in the back. But it's it's something is using, what we're going to find out is it's her back vocal cords. So we'll go into this. Hmm. But something is using her as like a little amplifier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my personal uh, uh, pet theories about possession is that I think that it has something to do with the collective unconsciousness. Like there's something in certain people's minds, something breaks open and all of these different energies enter into this person and then speak through them, uh, which is why sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have people speaking in languages that they've never heard of before. Well, uh, I heard that Janet was taking secret ventriloquist <laughs> classes after school. Now, Richard, that's Maurice Gross's son, he was a little apprehensive about buying the whole story, especially when he discovered that the voice would only speak if he was looking away from Janet and would stop the moment Richard turned his head. Hmm. But... What really piqued his interest was that the voice stopped if Richard even thought about turning his head. And this is where, okay, I don't know whether or not I'm just so delusional and so hopeful for a sign of the paranormal, but I I do think that there's a difference when they talk about in physics, right, the idea of observed and unobserved reality and how they behave differently, Mm -hmm. about how, like, when you look at something— more shit happens. There's also experimenter <laughs> bias and shit like that where you can uh-huh. make it happen sort of by looking at it. And I also, I kind of wonder if there's something to the idea of just the observation of the activity mm-hmm. gives it the energy it takes to go. And then when you turn it away, it basically it expends it. It's like you charge the battery and then you turn away and then it shoots it out the other side. Yeah, that's you really can't. As soon as you start filming reality, you change it. Exactly. Which if you look at the Jersey Shore, they were actually very... They were scholars, but then they put the cameras in there, and great. they turned into alcoholics. Snooky knows how to read. Another wonderful current reference uh-huh. that our listeners will understand. Jersey Shore. Now, it must be said, though, that the voice shared some personality traits with Janet, such as their shared habit of abruptly changing subjects in the middle of conversation. Mm. Once, when Margaret was talking to the voice about where it came from, the voice said, I want some jazz music. Get me some now. They Mm. got him back on track, but the voice said he came from the local graveyard. When they asked him why he hadn't moved on to the next plane of existence with all the other spirits in the graveyard, he gave the coolest possible answer. He said, I'm not a heaven man. Cool. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's kind of fun. Hang out in foggy old London. What could be more fun than that? I have always said foggy old London in 1977 is heaven on earth, <laughs> especially when you're in low-income housing. Now, there is one other incident in particular that points towards Janet being the sole source of the voice. On December 14th, 1977, Janet officially flowered 
if you know uh, what I mean. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, get, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is totally wonderful. But, and yes. applies, we know that. She had, a, she had a public ventriloquism lesson. I think that's a good thing to call it. Uh, but why are you calling it a public ventriloquism lesson? I don't know. Oh, right. I don't know. Maybe we're not the experts on this subject. What do you think I vaginas? What do you think I vaginas do during and menstruation? Again, Marcus, why tease the question? <laughs> why even tease the I answer? I want to know. You, I want to know what okay. he thinks happens. All right. Well, I know that what what happens is is that on a very special time when a girl is just grown up enough, but not grown up enough, uh, a a little doll inside of her wakes up like. Oh. Uh-huh. And says, "Mummy, mummy, mummy, time to paint the legs." Is that a good way to Is that a good way to say it? And then she gets out her crimson and she gets right. out her ruby reds. Is that true? I so no. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. But I like the eggs idea. Eggs come out. <laughs> yeah. I know eggs come out and then the lining is also just kicked out of the house like it's a like it's a 17-year-old punk. Yeah, started doing drugs, yeah. Started play, being a drummer in a band. Well, the night that Janet first flowered, as gross. Play Actually, fair. when you say flowered, it's worse than Henry's terrible description. I don't think there's anything wrong with me saying flowered. The way you say it. Anyway, that's fine. Well, that night, as gross Playfair and an SPR colleague named Hugh Pincott were having a discussion with the voice, the voice suddenly asked, Why do you girls have periods? Playfair and Gross tried dodging the question because no, they no, did not want it. <laughs> yeah, you explain it to me now. You explain why is it happening. But after it became clear that the voice wasn't going to talk about anything else but periods, Pincott, because Playfair and Gross refused right. to talk about it despite Gross having a grown daughter, Pencott went into the room and explained it all in great detail. So this is obviously Janet's sex ed, a strange sort of haunted sex ed class. Yeah, well, that's... that's, that's yeah. Because why would the ghost care about periods? Yeah, especially on the day that Janet first got her, hers. Unless maybe the maybe the ghost... I mean, the ghost had no sex education growing up. I would imagine maybe it was a lonely old man. Janet got her period, and the ghost was like, Oi, what's going on here? So now we and have then, a ghost living inside of the... Like? Yeah, <laughs> so the ghost is in there, so he's just like, why? It's all, it got leaky inside of the, the vessel that he was in, which is Janet yes. or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, honestly, yeah. I think t- it's weird that she didn't have to go to health class at Spooky University. I just feel There's no reason for, for that. <laughs> she had to talk to paranormal psychologists about her first period. Yes, she did. She, she had to talk to a man named Hugh Pencott. Go, go to the doctor. Well, now, now, now you see, I'm, I'm, I'm Janet now. What, 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 what happens is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm a woman of a certain age. Now, how do I put this delicately? Your body is changing. <laughs> well, both Janet and the voice listened very closely without interrupting once. Oh, and that my. was something that neither Janet nor the voice ever did. They were both pretty bad about interrupting. Mm. But Playfair, of course, he, he was a smart guy. He thought it was a little strange that the voice would ask about periods on the same day that Janet first got hers. But when he asked the question, um, the only answer he got was a curt fuck off. Oh, honestly, it's a very playfair did kind of figure out the two of them looked at each other and he walked in. He says, like, it just seems to be very interesting that they, that you would ask why you need to know about periods and all this. And being like straight up being like, are you Janet? Are you Janet? Are mm-hmm. you just being yourself? Or Janet talked to us and then she went Fuck off! And then, like, had a seizure and then went to sleep. <laughs> I think that's what I would do the first day I had a period. Have a seizure and then Tell go to sleep. Tell everyone to fuck off. Yes. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> but it does seem that there is a connection between the old menstrual cycle and 
poltergeist activity Definitely. as the haunting reached a new level soon after her period began because that is when the levitation started. Ooh. So yes, like the voice, nobody actually saw the levitation in full as it was happening, but there is still circumstantial proof that it happened. David Nottingham, the neighbor, gave Janet a red pen after she told him that she'd been levitating. He told her that if she levitated again, she could use the pen to draw a circle around a light fixture that would be impossible for her to reach otherwise without loudly moving the bed across the room. Hmm. And as soon as Nottingham left the room and closed the door, Janet nonchalantly said, I'm levitating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. David tried to open the door to go inside, but he found that the door wouldn't budge. And when he finally did open it, Janet was back on her bed, and the ceiling had a red mark right where David had asked her to make it. Cool. He was right outside the door. And if she she wanted to move the bed to make the red mark, she would have had to drag... Mm the bed across the floor Mm. get on the bed and then jump up off of the bed to draw a mark and of course the mark would have been messy as hell but Nottingham said that the circle was very neat Mm. but even though David didn't see it with his own eyes three other witnesses in the neighborhood outside the house that very same day would see something themselves Janet said After she made the mark, she had passed through the wall of her bedroom into that of her mother, saying it was all white. When Peggy went to check her room, she found a copy of Janet's book, Fun and Games for Children, on the floor. Scary. Even though she was sure she had just seen that book in Janet's bedroom just prior to the levitation incident. David decided to test the entity's matter transfer abilities because he was thinking, it's like, okay, well, maybe Peggy's mistaken. Maybe little Johnny left the... uh, book over in the other room Mm -hmm. uh so david nottingham said all right pass this big red plastic cushion through something it's gonna be much harder than a little book Mm. and the entity said all right davy boy i'll make it disappear and no sooner did david walk out of the room that janet called out again and when david walked back in the red cushion was gone so where did it go 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 (laughs) where did it go (laughs) fuck off (laughs) Why is the cushion talking? (laughs) Well, that's where the witnesses come in. A neighborhood tradesman who knew there were strange goings on at the Hudson house was walking down the sidewalk looking in their general direction. He said one moment there was nothing on the roof and the next, the big red cushion appeared without anyone opening a window. Then there was the crossing guard and her friend. They also saw the cushion. But in addition to that, they said they saw through the window Janet bouncing up and down, briefly appearing, hmm. then falling again. Only thing was, she was bouncing up and down on her back, horizontally, about hmm. two feet above her bed, as if someone was lifting her from her shoulders and feet. Now, debunkers hmm. say that Janet was a sports star and very athletic, which she was. She's 11. She was a gymnast. I, okay. Oh, there are, I, I mean, know, but... I'm oh, yeah, just... there's a... Dominique Marciano was like 13. Remember she, Dominique? Woman, she, I remember Dominique Marciano? Eleven year old? I don't. Yes. Well, you remember yeah, your thirteen-year-old desires? 
Yes, children in China age out of being gymnasts by the age of nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is when they're that. most springy. <laughs> and I suppose it isn't impossible mm-hmm. for a 12 year old girl to be able to bounce two feet in the air on her back off a thin mat- mm-hmm. mattress. But if she was able to do this, along with everything else, along with the voice, along with all the objects being thrown around mm-hmm. without anybody seeing them, without by making objects appear and disappear in other places, she had a hell of a career in show business waiting for if she was able to do all that. I completely agree with that. Even if if there are no ghosts, the story itself is incredible with just Janet being an, inc- uh, an amazing uh, performer. That's right. She did have an incredible SNL reel. Like, she would have been amazing for the show, like a regular Kate McKinnon. <laughs> but I also think that there is maybe the body is being manipulated by a spirit to do certain shit. Maybe she is bouncing up and down on the bed, mm-hmm. but it's almost like a maniacal, she's attached to it, and so your your body is then allowed to do something that it's normally it would not be able to do. Sort of like what we talk about with ritual magic and shit like that, mm-hmm. where it's sort of, it's increasing her abilities almost. But what they all said was, is that the bed was an old British piece of shit, and it couldn't be bounced on. And that guy play for himself said, be like, I went and I tested the bed to see the bounceability of it. And I could hardly bounce at all. Not saying that he didn't have British ankles, which means <laughs> that his heels hit his ankle bones every time he puts pressure on it. Oh. So I don't know. <laughs> Brutal. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, 
getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, speaking of show business, mm-hmm. it's time to enter the magician. Yay! Okay. <laughs> All right. So by this point, the infield haunting was becoming known far and wide in paranormal circles around the world, and word had reached all the way to the Society of American Magicians. Yay! <laughs> they sent a magician investigator named Milborn Christopher, who was put on the case by Dr. Dingwall. <laughs> Yeah. British people. <laughs> just Dr. That, this Dr. Happen. Dingwall is never going to fail to make me laugh. No, no it's Dr. Very Dingwall. Funny. Would, the, de- the definition of a humorous name. <laughs> a Playfair said that he was happy to host the magician just so long as he didn't tell the girls he was a magician because he didn't want to get the girls excited. Yeah, good luck in a <laughs> yeah. magician to shut up about being a magician. That's all they talk Magicians about. Magicians are just losers that have spent years making their fingers so quick they can yeah. fool every woman they see. But they're very good for the cloak industry. That's important. <laughs> but yeah, very good. But contributing to the economy. That's right. But within minutes of the magician meeting the little girls, Melbourne just started showing them card tricks. Oh, Oh, they can't help themselves. It's a regular old Chris Angel. T- uh, uh, True TV would give him a show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, there is some debate between Playfair and Milbourne as to what happened on the evening the magician spent at the Hodgson house. Now, according to the magician, there was a commotion-filled night in which he didn't actually see anything happen with his own eyes. There was a lot of hubbub. Uh-oh. There was a lot of crashes. Uh-oh. There was a lot of booms, a lot of bams. Wow. But he didn't actually see anything with his own eyes. It all happened when he was in a different room. Hmm. Then, after the girls were put to bed and Playfair went down into the living room, the magician stayed on the staircase. Weird. (laughs) Yeah, a little odd. (laughs) He said Janet appeared at the top of the stairs and, in the words of the magician, 
I produced a flare of light in the air. And when Playfair asked him to elaborate, the magician said, <laughs> Yes, a flash of light. It's a magician's thing. You wouldn't understand. It's a magician's thing. Oh, I see. <laughs> the magician said that after he produced the flare, Janet hurried back to her room without saying a word. And he used this incident to prove Janet was only coming out to see if the course was clear. And had the magician not been there waiting for the little hmm. girl, she would have just thrown something down the stairs as further proof that the poltergeist was still active. This is a fun house to be a kid. No, you have a little kid that no longer has a father, that already has two other weird, strange men essentially <laughs> living with her in the house. You bring another man whose job is trickery in the house that they've just met, and you say, everybody go to sleep. He then sits on the stairs. Uh-huh. Instead of where everybody else doing normal shit, he sits on the stairs just staring upwards. You'd think maybe it would probably disturb the sleep, and you'd want to turn around there and maybe take a look at it, what he's doing rather than wonder what he's watching you do. You're a little right. girl, and you just yeah. see a man with a top hat on with a feather sticking out of it with yeah. fancy shiny shoes on and a tuxedo on just at the bottom yeah. of the stairs. Just light and flammable paper thrown it, throw it in front of his face. <laughs> it's an illusion. Go to sleep, little girl. Don't worry. You see how I make my... Oh, my wand is now limp. Now see how I make my wand hard again. Go to sleep, little girl. Well, the tape recorder told a different story than the magician told. During the earlier commotion, Janet's bed had collapsed, so she was staying in the spare room by herself. And after she had gone to bed, the voice started up. The voice said, Get out, or I'll, I'll double shit to you. You get stuffed. The ghost is right. Janet is correct. Get out of my house, magician and two other dumpy weirdos. Mm, double shit to you, magician. Get stuffed yourself, you dumb, stinky magician in there with your, with your big coins. Your big coins and your squirty flowers. What are you, Jackie Zabrowski? That's a funny inside joke. That is funny. That's not even an inside joke. That's a roundtable of gentlemen joke. Please go That's listen right. to the roundtable. To hear more about Henry's sister, refer to her vagina as a squirty bird. That's right. Yes. Uh, Janet was then heard after double shit to you. Uh She was then heard calling out to Maurice. She got out of bed and she went to the stairs, scared out of her mind. She's looking for new daddy. Sure. Now, the magician was indeed waiting for the little girl on the stairwell, Uh. but it was not the silent encounter he described. Instead, Janet started talking at him about how she didn't like to be alone. But the magician, being American, couldn't understand Janet's thick accent. And after a feeble attempt to communicate, you can hear three soft pops on the tape recorder, presumably from the weird magician's powder that he used to create the flashes. So when he runs into awkward conversation, because she comes, yes. there's a transcript of this in This House is Haunted by Guy Playfair. There's a yeah. little bit of a transcript because it's him just being like, I don't like to sleep alone. And he's like, what's that then? <laughs> I don't like to be sleeping alone. I don't like it. I'm alone in there. And he's like, Oh, you know, we, we uh, dogs love a bone. <laughs> Absolutely. Banks always give a loan. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. saying like random shit, like trying to act like he understands. And she's like, no, no, you don't understand. So a moment of silence, and then he just goes, 
Kazam! He, he lights yeah. a thing on fire just to end the conversation with the foreigner. That's actually three really, times. That's a three great way times. to do it. He keeps doing it until she runs away I like think, a stray dog that's growling at it. It's the only magic trick I've ever wanted to learn, and I think it's just owning matches. Yes. Well, yeah, Janet is then heard on the tape recorder running back to her bed, and where she says to no one in particular... Quote, he's gone mad. Literally, just say, he's gone mad. I just got nuts. He's gone mad. Okay, so Janet possibly possessed or faking to be possessed for going on, what, eight months now? Uh, quite a few months now. Is judging the magician? That's how bad magicians yes. are? Magicians are the worst. Well, the point is, nothing was disproved here. It was just a magician who didn't know how to deal with a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. But that didn't stop him from saying that the entire infield haunting case was fake. Huh. And it doesn't stop the debunkers from using his testimony as further proof that it was all a hoax. They actually, the debunkers actually use the magician. No, like, well, no. this magician said it was fake. You can't, by definition, trust a magician. Well, they said it, that he's an expert in trickery. And if the expert in trickery says that it's wrong, then the trickery must be a hoax. That's a trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. When a tricker, when a tricker says a thing is a trickery, that he could be tricking you into saying it's a trickery. You can never trust a match trickery. and slowly walks out. Yeah. Never trust a tricker. <laughs> Never. And so the experiments with the voice continued. They taped Janet's mouth, filled it with water, wrapped a scarf around her face, God. but nothing would right. stop the voice. Even when they did all three at the same time. Well, we've tried waterboarding her. All we got was some <laughs> government secrets. Uh, nothing about the ghost, though. Now, men, men, now this may seem controversial. Okay, and I don't, I don't do, I mean, I mean this as a scientist and as a researcher, um, but what if I were to sit upon her face? I will continue <laughs> to wear me underoos attached to my anklets that attach to my socks. I am fully clothed even when I'm nude. I am British. So it is not skittish or perverted for me to sit upon her mouth and see if she uses me as, say, a, a trumpet or a trombone. <laughs> Well, they also did a couple of scientific tests on Janet's throat. They found that the voice did not come from the front Can of I her throat. Can I just ask real quick, yeah, Where, where's her mom? Just literally just with her fucking basin outside. She's got all the workers' uniforms piling up on one side. And she's like, ever since the coal factory shut down, the new brick factory makes these clothes extra dirty. Mm. So I've got to scrub them for hours. <laughs> these are really, these are jokes about the socioeconomic conditions in the UK in the 1970s. <laughs> Which were quite bad. Yes. Quite bad. Oh, yeah. Garbage everywhere. I think sure. they, did they have the, I think they had the garbage strike. And New York City had the garbage strike at the same time. All I, I all I know is that The Clash was singing about it. I love the idea of garbage men making sure that we know why they're important. Now, they found that the voice did not come from the front of her throat like a voice normally does. If you speak mm. and put put your hand on your throat and just speak, speak, speak. And you'll feel the vibrations there. Brett Favre, touchdown. <laughs> That's good. 9-11 was allowed to happen. 9-11 was allowed to happen. I can feel it in my throat. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can feel it. But Janet, when the voice spoke, it came from the back of her neck. Hmm. Now, this isn't impossible, but it is a strange thing for a 12-year-old girl to know how to do. It it's a thing here called plica ventricularis, which is a, a thing that you can train. It's false vocal cords. They sit in the back, and they say that you can access them, but they're very, very difficult to use. And also, they're, they, they get less lubrication. 
than the front vocal cords, so they get hoarse really, really quickly. So it's very interesting the fact that she could do it for hours and hours and hours. Essentially, she'd have to be like the Neo of ventriloquists yeah. hmm. to be great at this naturally. Okay. Yeah, she is the Neo of this whole story. Oh, yeah. She is the one. She is the one. So around Christmas, the entity started getting even more aggressive. The Hodgson's well-loved goldfish were found dead in their tank. When the family noticed what had happened, the boy said, I done that. And when Gross asked why and how, the voice replied he had electrocuted the fish by accident using, quote-unquote, spirit's energy. Which Maurice Gross then said, that is proof that poltergeists work on electricity. Yeah. And uh. then a part of it, it's like, because they did find these things dead. And it's very, it's it's the thing that makes our meat jump uh-huh. as human beings. I could not uh, keep a goldfish alive that I got from the carnival for more than 48 hours. Well, yeah, you can, no one can keep carnival goldfish why alive. Why not? Because they're only, they're designed to live for a day. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Well, I fed it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, had a, it had one good day. Well, after the goldfish died, two days later, on Christmas Day, Whitey the parakeet turned up dead in his cage. Oh, oh my goodness. That is so sad. Parakeets are the worst animal on the face of the planet. <laughs> no, they're always We talking. used to have them for years. They're awful. They're, they're awful talking. creatures. They're dirty. They're mean. They bite. <laughs> Birds are terrible, terrible pets. Birds are scary. Well, later that day, the entity attacked Janet herself as she was sitting by a window by wrapping curtains around her neck. And a couple of days later, it happened again. This time, the swish of the curtain was caught on the tape. And this wasn't just a... I mean, it was... the. The curtain squeezed. They were trying mm-hmm. to strangle her. We should talk about this, too, because that is very compelling photo evidence of the curtain. When you watch it, it is in a really unnatural formation. It is completely curved around. Because you remember, we had a timed camera in that uh, in that room watching them at all times. We'll talk about, honestly, the levitation pictures that you see, are uh, they look obviously faked. Yes. They look like she is jumping for the camera. And I think that that is completely normal. I think that is because as a little kid, they even talk about the, all the time. Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair are like, Janet plays tricks all the time. We know she does. There's certain things that she does that are uh, that are genuine, though. And they are well, part not, of the levitation the thing. They actually said that she did, played tricks like very, very few times. Hmm. But her jumping was just trying to get somebody to believe her it was happening. Who is a better yeah. le- Who is a better levitator? Um Shinrikyo, the the leader of Um Shinrikyo, Shoko or Asahara? Yeah. Shoka Asahara. Yeah, because he was using his butt cheeks. He to did do it, it with his butt. Okay. Yeah. Now that whole incident with the curtains that happened six more times, mm. but thankfully it was never enough to seriously injure Janet, at least physically, mentally. Was a different story. This woman seems like she is afraid of everything. She is fucked up. When you see her nowadays in the interviews, don't look at the the extras on the DVD for Conjuring 2. The stuff that we found, like the recent one from the BBC, the one with her and Guy Playfair, and she just looks haunted. She's the same, like literally being like, you don't understand what I went through. Uh, I had something inside of me for um, a year. (laughs) Why? Why did you go into your mother voice? I, did I? You don't oh, understand God, some, You don't even understand. That's what it happens. <laughs> I have her just below the surface. Oh, God. I was All like watching, watching. I did the same thing, watching the footage, being like, that's a, that poor girl. Oh, that's just a shame. Oh, wow. It is a shame. And I like whenever you uh, do your mother's voice, you grab your chest. Always. My mom, where do you think Jackie got it from? Oh, yeah. Grabbing mm. her tits all the time. <laughs> My mom does a weird thing. Where every know, time I've... she does like a caring voice, she holds her breasts. 
<laughs> All right, so Janet doesn't allow any curtains in her house anymore. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and the poltergeist, it seemed to take on different personalities, or it was actually different energies working together, if you believe the 10 naughty things list. Mm. Soon after 1978 came, the voice, calling itself Fred, told Peggy that she should get rid of a bag of knives that she had brought out of storage. These knives had, just like the furniture she'd already thrown out, belonged to the family of the man who had murdered his daughter down the street a few years previous. Get rid of the knives! Get rid of the knives! Get rid of everything! All of the knives! Why would you have... You say this... You got rid of the furniture! You got rid of the useful shit! We'll keep <laughs> the weapons! Why keep the knives? <laughs> we'll keep the sharp things that could do the most damage. We'll keep them in a bag. Yeah, why she got rid of the furniture <laughs> and not the knives is anyone's guess, especially after the furniture already proved to be haunted. They like their jams. They like their <laughs> spreads. You can never have enough knives. Think up how dangerous the furniture has become. This has become the serial killer's version of Beauty and the Beast <laughs> in this house, and you just have a bunch of horny knives in a bag. <laughs> if just one of them has the personality of that candelabra, they're going to yeah. be knife-fucking one of those little girls in a second. Well, Fred... <laughs> Jesus. Well, fucking Christ, man. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, that's, that's the reality rough. of it. I don't mean rough. to be too real. Oh, Fred said if Peggy didn't get rid of the knives, Tommy, another entity, was going to do something dangerous with hmm. them. But as Peggy had just had a long day, she didn't pay Fred any mind and kept the knives right where they were. And the next day, as Peggy was in the kitchen, she heard Janet say from upstairs... There's a knife following me around. <laughs> and Janet, Seriously. It's just like, be our guest. Be our guest. Put yeah. ourselves through the test. <laughs> and the stabbing continues. Yeah, and she said, and Janet said that the knife was dancing around in front of her. That's kind of fun. And of course, Peggy went upstairs to look, and she found nothing. But when she walked back to the downstairs area, she found one of the knives she had just put away in the kitchen drawer. On the stairs. Wow. Get it out of there. Get it out. So was it like a situation where they moved in and like, this house is not yet a home until they saw the bag of knives. And then they're like, <laughs> now it's a home. <laughs> now it's good. We must have a bag of lethal weapons around at all times. Now, and Peggy, man, she was long suffering. Yeah, she's not having a great time. Her children are going crazy. She's got a bunch of random weirdos, including a magician in her home. Oh, just wait until you hear what happened on her birthday. Oh, tell me they went to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> no, I don't think they did. They didn't? No blooming onions, huh? On her birthday, on January 15th, 1978, that day would take the infield haunting from the realm of a horror movie over into John Waters' territory. Ooh. That's the day... The Dookie started. Yep. What do you mean the Dookie started? Well, I'll tell you what I mean when I say the Dookie I mean, started. E did, Edith Massey, <laughs> did Edith Massey show up on their front door and start eating eggs or something? What's going I'm on? I'm just going to say right here is that once that Dookie gets started, it's hard to get the Dookie to stop happening. Oh, I see. Lots of Dookie. Okay. Well, that evening, Margaret said that she had just used the bathroom and was leaving when she felt a tap, tap, tap on her shoulder. Uh-oh. And when she turned around, she saw that someone or something uh -huh. had taken a turd <laughs> and written the word <laughs> shit on the wall with it. Oh, my goodness. I guess that's its name, huh? Maybe it is. <laughs> it does sound like they're being haunted by Gigi Allen. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and a few days later, when Margaret was again in the bathroom, 
Mrs. Hodgson was hit in the small of the back by a duke wrapped in toilet paper oh, while no. she was sitting in the kitchen. I've got to say, I'm at my end here. All right, my bonnets are getting thinner. My feet are crooked. I went to the doctor. He said I got zigzag toe. And I'm like, what's that, doctor? And he's like, we're going to have to smash your feet and reset him. And now I'm getting hit in the smalls. Oh. Ball little pepper pot in a toilet tissue. Oh, my. A dookie attack, huh? Oh, a no, duke attack. Not, this ghost is really getting serious. Oh, yeah. And then when... Peggy inspected Margaret's hands upon Margaret's exit from the bathroom. Let me look at your hands, you <laughs> yeah. dirty little fucking imp. You're playing with the dookies like some kind of, like, what, you got your performance artist? They were clean. Well, hands clean were hands, totally huh? clean. I guess most of the poop was Let on the wall. Let me suck on them to see. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to touch them to see if there's any duke on there. Well, Peggy was satisfied that Margaret wasn't the culprit. She said, Belay me, she couldn't have done that without getting in a mess. Margaret's not very subtle. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. But there was some evidence of the girls interfering. Playfair said one day his recorder went missing while it was recording. He found it about 30 seconds later, and the tape showed without a doubt that it was Janet who moved the damn thing. Mm. Playfair's thinking was that since he spotted it so fast, since it was such a poor attempt at a trick, it showed that Janet was actually pretty awful at that. Mm. And... She confessed almost immediately when Playfair confronted her with it and proven herself to be an awful liar. But the voice did gain some believers. A speech therapist who came to check out the whole hubbub said that she had to admit that she couldn't figure out how Janet was doing the voice, especially, well, she could figure out that it was like vo- false vocal cords well, coming from the, the back. Voice. But she's throwing the poop. Well, the poltergeist. Oh, it's the poopergeist. The poopergeist. The pooper. Oh, my God. Poopergeist. Oh, oh, my God. Look oh, here. Wow. We got, looks like we got ourselves a poopergeist. It's a poopergeist. Uh, poopergeist. I, I am going to take a poopergeist soon. <laughs> okay, good. I have, I have drank half a bottle of concentrated cold brew this morning, and I am like a musket right now. <laughs> well, the thing that the speech therapist couldn't figure out was how Janet was doing it without getting a sore throat. Right. Then the fire started. On one occasion, smoke started pouring from a kitchen drawer. When they opened up the drawer, they found a scorched box of matches, although no matches on the inside had been lit. Cool. Yeah. After this, they decided to try their luck with another medium. This time, they tried a regular Joe named Gary Sherrick. Mm -hmm. Sherrick was an amateur poet who didn't take any money for his services because he made a good living as a London taxi driver. The okay. spirit medium thing, that was just his hobby. He did it for free. Sure. This is something I got to tell you, all right? All right? I'm a guy named Jerry. Thing I'm best at, sitting and watching. <laughs> anything can happen. I sit there and watch it with a photograph memory. I'll watch anything. I'll watch you take a shit. I'll watch you kill a dog. Uh-huh. I'll watch you suck on a, the toe of a shoe. I'll watch anything. Anything you got for me to watch, I'll watch, and I'll remember it. I'll watch you, I'll watch you lick a cat on its asshole. Yeah. I'll watch you do anything. Well, he's definitely he's got the mind of a poet. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, Jerry said he got the impression that a horrible old woman who had lived near Spittlefields Market was haunting the girls. Oh, Spittlefields is a real place, Ben. I know it is. It's just like, you always wonder what, how these towns got created, how their names got created, and be like, where are we? And someone's just like, Spittlefield. Because I just spit. Get it? Well, 
They said that it was possibly a horrible old woman who would live near Spitalfields Market that was haunting the girls. And when Jerry asked if they had ever smelled rotting vegetables, they replied that they had. Of course. Jerry, like the others, didn't really do anything with Janet besides the whole heel and hands business, but he did teach Margaret how to do battle with the entity. He did not say how he taught Margaret how to do the battle. Uh, But it seemed to work for I get the feeling it involved balling up human dookie (laughs) and throwing it against a wall. It just sounds like another secret ventriloquism lesson. Are we done with the poo-poo segment? Because this is a huge... I'm really focused on the poo-poo stuff here. We ain't done with the poo-poo. Okay. You got more poo-poo coming. All right. Poopergeist. Well, the heel and hand seemed to work just like it had with the two mediums before for a couple of weeks at least. But when it came back, it came back in a storm of faces. <laughs> so many faces. What was that? A storm of what? Faces. A storm of faces. faces. A storm of feces. Faces. That's how faces. scientists hey. say it. Faces. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> As Peggy walked in on Johnny having a bath one day, she just found... Stop. Are Just there any <laughs> limits or boundaries in this house? He was like a five-year-old boy. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, parents right, right. parents no, still walk in on little uh, ki- little course, people having course. baths all the time. Of course. Henry, shh. Well, she found excreta smeared behind the water taps all over the wall and floating in the bath water <laughs> as if someone was, in her words, scribbling with it. It's the five-year-old. No. No? No. Why? He said no. It's a lot of shit. <laughs> because the problem is that when the they take pictures of it, you would need to have a podcast comedian's weight of shit <laughs> yeah. in order to really do that. Like I mean, like me, after like several bowls of bran, mm-hmm. like I ate a bunch of beans last night. Like the stuff that's fermenting inside of me, I could paint a bathroom with it. <laughs> uh-huh. But a child, it's still small. Oh, yeah. Still very tiny little duke dudes. Okay. T- all oh, right. Yeah. And I'm it, not, I don't even want to get into and it. Ben, in the kitchen, big uh, old puddles of liquid <laughs> butt junk started forming on the floor. Hold on. So, Wait, what is. Okay. Oh, you so know now, what liquid butt junk is. I understand. It's poop. Liquid it's butt junk. <laughs> yeah. Liquid butt yeah. junk, sure. Asshole sauce. This I asshole see. sauce has been piling up inches thick uh, for weeks now, multiple oh, yeah. days. And this is actually what I think is very interesting because they don't cover any of this in The Conjuring 2. No. They don't talk about this I, in any of yeah. the documentaries. Oh, and, no. And I think that, number one, it is the funniest form of the poltergeist. Uh, yeah, there's poo-poo mountains in the kitchen. It's fun. But on a, what further proof it is that what you need is that it's now, it's it's going into an area where it's like, if they are faking it, these people are completely insane. Yeah. yeah. They're rubbing shit all over the entire house. And now even uh, Maurice Gross sat with Janet because a part of it was like, he asked her, why were you fucking with my recorder? And he said, I want to make sure that you guys never leave because she was so and she loved having them in the house at this point mm-hmm. and then as it started happening he's just like he started talking with her a bit like so it's, it's like are you faking this are you doing this yeah and she's like I'm not but it's really starting to get boring now mm-hmm. uh-huh. she thought that the whole thing was boring yeah she hated the whole thing like well, it, it became just a nuisance because so this poor woman was this poor girl was so Desperate for a father, she didn't want them to leave, so she went to Defcon Poo Poo no. and just created this entire no, thing poo-poo. so they would stay. No, you also, where is the magician? You mis- <laughs> you misunderstood completely. Okay, moving the tape recorder—that was what she did to keep Maurice Gross around. No, 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 she wasn't doing the the big old liquid diarrhea. Who's creating the mountains of Dookie? The, the Poo Poo Geist. 
All yeah. right. And here's the interesting thing about it is that Maurice Gross actually collected some of it. <laughs> a, good, a good old stool sample. Okay. All right, we're going to take a look at this now. All right, everyone, look. There's a sample from the ass juice that we found earlier this afternoon. Let me just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting notes of Oh my goodness I'm getting notes of burnt You're a sommelier of poopies Oh th- this is mine This is oh, definitely right. mine I'm sorry I mixed the samples <laughs> Well uh-huh. he got a sample And he took it to a fellow scientist uh-huh. And the fellow scientist said you put me on, mate. It's his cat piss. Oh, yeah. okay. It was I don't think piss. it should be fellow scientists. I, I mean, there's one he scientist. He is a scientist. You know, the man bringing the poo poo. He's, he's a parascientist. Uh, a peri- parasite scientist. Your racism okay. against our kind is what keeping legitimate it's research. Big scientists are not a race. Well, the voice at this point, I mean, well, besides the whole poo-poo thing, <laughs> the voice started getting weirder, and it stopped caring whether anybody was looking or not. It started getting completely out of control. Here's one more example of where the voice was at this time. Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. No, it was like that old episode that we did. is like possession or angry cat. Yeah, that could go either way. Yes, it's pretty sweet. Uh, and now when they're looking at her mouth, they're saying they're looking at her face and she's making these noises and her mouth is like going like, it's like slightly twitching. It is coming from her, but yeah. it's this weird ass thing. We're like, how is she making this noise over and over and over again for weeks? Right. Now, this is when George Fallows of the Daily Mirror showed back up to check in on the family. But when he saw how much worse and how much more disgusting the case had gotten, he decided a follow-up piece was in order and assigned a reporter named Brian Rimmer to the story. Name's Brian Rimmer, and I got to tell you, I love the taste of pennies. Uh (laughs) I use them like mints, just blink, ding, ding, ding. I love it. I like leaving my mouth red with rust. Uh Now, is the poo-poo cleaned up? Yeah, the poo-poo, they're not just leaving it around the house. They're not animals, Ben. Now, Rimmer decided it was time once and for all to get to the bottom of the voice. So he enlisted the ventriloquist, a man named Ray Allen. Just when it couldn't get any nerdier, <laughs> they brought in a ventriloquist. But think about how many, because not only did we have, we had a magician, we've had at least 15 scientists. We got a, a ventriloquist now. We also had another dude that was a famous sufferer of a haunted house. His name was, uh, that came in. That said the same thing. Matthew Manning, he also came in. This is incredibly documented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many people who are just showing up being like, what the fuck is happening in here? And it's all just weird old men. <laughs> well, Brian Rimmer, Ray Allen, and three other people showed up around 8 p.m. one night to the Hodgson house completely unannounced. After the visit, Rimmer called up Guy Playfair and told him that Janet had confessed to faking the voices beginning to end and that she had told the ventriloquist that she had used her diaphragm to do the voice, even though they had already proved that the voice was coming from the back of her neck. Hmm. 
Playfair immediately went to the Hodgson house to hear exactly what had happened because he was pretty damn sure that Janet didn't even know the word diaphragm, much less what the hell a diaphragm was. And she, again, had a different story to tell, just like with the magician. Wow. She said that when the ventriloquist started talking to her, she just zoned out and just started nodding because how many people have come to talk at this little girl and to yeah. ask her question after question after question? And she just stopped paying attention to anything that she said. And also, that's kind of what a lot of 12-year-old girl, girls do when you talk to them. They yeah. don't listen. And when a ventriloquist talks to you, not moving his lips, trying to be all sneaky, I mean, of <laughs> course I'm not going to listen to that. It's all lies. Now, according to Janet, she hadn't heard a word he said. Now, the article entitled... Ghost Hunters Clash Over Mystery of Spoof or Spook Kids. Ooh. It did claim the voice to be a hoax, but to its credit, did not discount any of the other phenomena. And the phenomena did continue, with the apparitions returning in full force. Both Margaret and Janet saw an old man mm-hmm. with long fingernails walking through their room at night. <sighs> Peggy saw a child dressed in a nightgown floating out of the bathroom mm. and saw a partial apparition of a man from the waist down walking up the stairs. But the creepiest incident happened to Peggy's brother. He saw a man, solid as anything, just sitting at the Hodgson's kitchen table at five o'clock in the afternoon, looking out the window. The brother closed his eyes to blink, and when he opened them again, the man was gone. And replaced with a pile of poop. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> what if the man with no waist walking back and forth was just so jealous of that people could poop? Because he had no butt as a ghost. Oh, that would be the worst. he was just doing it as a revenge. Oh, yeah. yeah. So finally, in July of 1978, the family decided to send Janet away for a little while. She stayed in a hospital across the Thames for a couple of months, and the activity died down, but not completely. For example, the whole incident with the brother and the men in the kitchen happened while Janet was gone. Hmm. And Margaret was mostly free of the activity, using the unnamed powers that she learned from the taxi driver. Uh, what did she learn? I don't even want to know. I don't know. know. They didn't it's say. A, the it's secrets a, of a taxi driver. It's a secret, Dan. Yes, only taxi drivers will know. Ooh, did she get some taxi cab confession? I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors found nothing wrong with Janet, physically or mentally, and so Janet came back in September of 1978, hopeful that it was all over Mm -hmm. and done with. But within 30 minutes of her being home, she saw the same apparition of a child in a gown that her mother saw. (laughs) After a few more months, they decided to try one more medium, a Dutchman named Dono Gemelig Mailing. Of course. Who had personally brought two Dutch poltergeist cases to an end. Dono came to the house, got to know the family, and went out traveling on the old astral plane to see what he could find. When he came back, he said that he was positive that a 24-year-old woman was involved in the case. 24 happened to be the exact age Maurice Gross's daughter Janet was when she died. Now, whether or not this whole thing was caused by the spirit of Maurice Gross's daughter, we'll never know. In fact, we'll probably never know whether poltergeists are the spirits of the dead, free-floating puberty energy, or something else entirely, at least not in our lifetime. What we do know is that soon after Dono Gemelic Mailing identified the poltergeist as Maurice Gross's daughter, the hauntings tapered off and soon stopped altogether. 
You can always trust a Dutchman. <laughs> and this is very similar to other cases. If you look up the Reutenberg Roca case, it's very, very interesting. There's there's so many other poltergeist cases that are like this. We talk about, uh, I mean, the Black Monk of Pontefract is one. There's also the, the, the Bell Witch case also t- talks about this a lot, all which that we could do whole episodes on yeah. that are all very similar. All right. Well, this is the Enfield poltergeist. I got to say, Conjuring 2 could have been a lot better. It really could have been. All the these only- characters, unbelievable. The only difference is that the ending is not as is not very dramatic. It's mostly like it's just going to be like, "Well, that's your poltergeist." Finding out it's the twenty four year old daughter is a huge reveal. It's and, a pretty uh, big reveal. Yeah, yeah, the Conjuring Part Two never even goes down that road. No, it absolutely so does. They it should because that's how more like Maurice Gross started. It, you know, and it could be argued that the more that Janet uh, Gross. Began haunting another Janet. Began haunting uh, the uh, Hodgson house in a bid uh, to contact her father because her father was contacted very soon afterwards. Mm. There's a lot. It's a very complicated case. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. It's very complicated. But I also think you know, and what I think is really nice though is that Maurice Gross stayed with the family. He was close with them for the rest of his life. I think he died in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy Playfair was also close to them. It was a nice support network. Yeah. It turned into a little family. Yeah. In the end, like it's like Maurice Gross got something out of it, too. Like He got a daughter again. He got to be with these kids, even though they're a little simple and a little strange. Family's family. I yeah. don't think simple is the right word. There's very complex. Oh, it's very, very complex. Oh, yeah, very complex. And I, I think oh, ja- I think Janet was a lot more clever than people uh, gave her credit for, and, and Margaret as well. But the yeah. thing is, is that Janet is the only person who will give interviews. None of the rest mm. of them want to talk about this at all. Well, uh, but in the end, uh, really, this case is like you. Do- okay, so now that you've heard the whole case, Ben, I know you were skeptical at first. Uh-huh. Kind of sweet, right? It's kind of sweet. I also believe uh, the queen is a horrible monarchy, <laughs> and they should have treated these individuals that had lower income much better. Oh, it was the 1970s. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, very good. Sweet family case. But uh, I, I, this is, to me, one of the most convincing cases of the idea of just activity and what it means. And it's not necessarily some spectral. Like, I don't know about the personalities involved in terms of, like, Bill and, and Joe Watson and all those kind of things. But I think that there's obviously something happening, and it just proves that there's more to consciousness and how it affects reality uh, than what normal no, you'd normally uh, believe. And scientists are just on the verge of it. I was just watching a thing, uh, a TED Talk, about how, like, essentially we trip making, like, uh, reality's a hallucination, bro. That's it, buddy. Some TED Talks are better than others, but TED, talk, <laughs> TED Talks are very good. Yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Let's see, Marcus, what should we talk about here? We got the Patreon. Of course. Thanks uh, to thank everybody. Thank you all so who, much. Thanks to everybody who gave to our Patreon. If you feel like um, we uh, deserve a little bit of a donation, uh, patreon.com slash last podcast on the left uh, is a place to give. Of course, we appreciate every single uh, donation. Yep. Even a dollar helps us out. Uh, we we got a bunch of live shows coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, we have uh, shows coming up in uh, San, Vancou- Fran- yep. San Francisco, the Outside Lands Festival. We got Vancouver. Mm. Uh, we've got Calgary. Uh, we've got Toronto. We're coming back to Toronto. So much Canada. And yes, I, I got to so say, I love it. We had a great time in Montreal. Oh, yeah. The for Laughs Festival. Cannot wait to go back to that awesome record store in Toronto. It's called like She Said Boom or something like that. It's mm. the best record store I've ever been in my life. Cannot wait to go back. But that's going to be a part of the uh, Just for Laughs 42 Festival. 
Festival. Uh, so just go to that website. It's like JFL42.com or something like that. Uh, that's going to be in September. Then we're going to be going to Pittsburgh the very next day. Uh, then we're going to be going to North Carolina. Yep. Uh, and then, or maybe it's South Carolina. Carlsboro. Wherever Carl, that is. One of the Carolinas. Uh, and then we're going to be uh, rounding out this year in Omaha, Nebraska. Yep. Uh, so we can't wait to uh, see all you guys in uh, all those states. Uh, all that stuff is available at lastpodcastontheleft.com. You can get tickets elsewhere. All That's that it. All right. Hail yourselves, everyone. And don't forget to uh, check out all the other shows here. Abling its top half for everything politics. Roundtable of Gentlemen, Page 7, Sex and Other Human Activities, Movie Signs with the Mads, Wizard and the Bruiser, and all the other great programs here. Marcus Parks, you're doing a good job, buddy. Thank you. Hail yourselves. Elgin. Magustalations. Don't get haunted. No. Do not. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod.